What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Spin and Sports Podcast. Alongside Landon Bethay, I am Grayson Singleton, and we have a ton to discuss today on a packed show on this Thursday afternoon. So we're going to talk about the NBA All-Star Game and who our five All-Star starters will be. Sneak peek, there it will be a big discussion around the Western Conference backcourt, as well as Oklahoma State basketball has won two in a row. But first, we will begin with the news that broke earlier this Thursday morning. Carson Wentz is a Colt. The Philadelphia Eagles have agreed to trade the former number two overall pick from 2016 to Indianapolis for a second round pick in this, a third round pick in this year's draft, and a conditional second round pick in 2022. So, Landon, the question I ask you now is who won this trade? Well, I think you have to say the Colts. They gave up virtually nothing. I mean, two two draft picks for a potential. And not, not only was it definitely an improvement, but the upside for Carson Wentz right now in that Colts offense is too high to to ignore. You look at last year, and Phillip Rivers was solid, but that was it. He was a game-changer. I mean, a game-manager. Now you have a potential game-changer. The day for a game-managing quarterback to to be a Super Bowl contender is over. You had Trent Dilfer with the Ravens. You had you had Peyton Manning in 2015, who was carried to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, but now that you have teams like the Chiefs with Mahomes, I would even throw the Ravens in that category now with Jackson if he can bounce if he can adapt to the game. You need a QB to go win you football games. The Colts now have that and yet they're solid all the way around. Yes, there's a potential risk from Wentz just because of his inconsistency and his his he likes to turn the ball over a little a little much and it does raise some concern. But now he has an O-line protecting him. He has a very solid receiving core. I only see upside from the Colts. Well, this does make the Colts a bona fide Super Bowl contender. They're definitely the favorite in the AFC South now with now that they have solidified that quarterback position. But I don't think either team particularly won the trade. I think the big winner of the trade is Carson Wentz himself. Yes. And you saw as it ended with the Philadelphia Eagles that his psyche was damaged likely beyond repair with that organization. You had uh, the organization draft Jalen Hurts while Carson Wentz was in the midst of a regression. And then you saw at toward the end of the time where Carson Wentz just his attitude deteriorated when he was when he was benched mm-hmm. and his morale and his want to play for that franchise was gone. Now he gets a new start with a new team with his offensive coordinator who now is the head coach and Frank Reich who coordinated um who coordinated Carson Wentz, excuse me, while during his MVP season or would be MVP season before he tore his ACL and the Eagles still went on to win the Super Bowl. So now Carson Wentz is back in the same or a similar situation in which he was in when he was the MVP frontrunner. So I think this is a great chance for him to resurrect his career and resurrect the perception of him. I 100% agree. I think this is, without a doubt, the the most you can ask for if you're Wentz was to be a Colt. Absolutely. The Eagles, I, like I said, I think the Colts won the trade. I don't think the Eagles lost the trade. You have, your guys hurts. And there was no... Do you think the guys hurts? I, I do. I do think so. He, he's young. He showed a lot of flashes of success this past year. I think you roll with him. I think he is going to bring a very energetic and unorthodox style of quarterback to that Philadelphia football team that right now the surrounding cast in Philadelphia you need a guy like Hertz you need a guy who can improvise and that's what Hertz will do Wentz Wentz can improvise as well but right now you you look at it and the Colts were 11 and 5 with Rivers and I, I don't Rivers is a very solid quarterback was was but he he wasn't able to go out there and win football games like i said you need a guy to go do that wentz now and we saw wentz in 2017 the mvp front runner until he got hurt can he return to that probably not we probably won't see the former mvp caliber wentz 
but can he can he show some sort of signs of, of a past Wentz that we're used to? And I, I think in that, that Indianapolis system, I think we'll see a very successful Carson Wentz. So I think he can return to you that do. MVP. Because Carson Wentz is only 26 years old. Right. It's not like he's getting up there in age. I think if he has a full offseason to recover from any nagging injuries that seem to just keep plaguing him throughout his career ever since he got hurt in that 2017 season, that's been a problem. So I think if he can recover from those, combined with the array of weapons he has in, in Indianapolis now, probably the best offensive line in the league. Oh, yeah. We forget that the Colts surrendered only 19 sacks when the quarterback was a stationary target like Phillip Rivers. So now you've got a mobile Carson Wentz who who's under better coaching who I believe will assist him in learning not to hold the football hold right. on to the football for so long. I I think Carson Wentz can easily return to that no, to that number 1 pick because the talent um, number 1 pick to that MVP caliber mm-hmm. that he was playing at because right. the talent hasn't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. The physical attributes haven't gone anywhere because he's still 26, he's 27 years old. So it the the recipe is there for him to be highly highly successful. But I, I want to turn this conversation to the Eagles because I was looking at the draft order. The Philadelphia Eagles are picking six in this draft. Okay. Now, you you think Jalen Hurts is the guy. So, with the sixth pick, that probably would mean they have a higher second-round pick as well. What are the odds that Philadelphia drafts a quarterback maybe in, in any of the first to third rounds? Well, like I said, I think Jalen should be the guy. Now, are they going to roll with him? That's a great question. The odds they pick a quarterback, I would say, are anywhere from moderate to to moderately high. I, I do believe they have a chance to take a quarterback. I personally believe Jalen Hurts is the guy to roll with, but if you have a quarterback that drops to you and you see a potential for him in Philadelphia, I would not be surprised one bit if the Eagles take a chance on, on let's say, they have so they have the sixth pick. They have the sixth. At that point, I do not personally see any reason to draft a quarterback unless somebody falls. So in a, so in a lot of mocks, we've seen Justin Fields dropping right. potentially all the way to Washington, at, okay. Um, toward the end to the toward the back end of the teens. So if he's available, if Justin Fields is available at six, do you pull the trigger there? Is Justin Fields really that different from Jalen Hurts right now? When I watch when I watched them in college, when I when I saw Jalen Hurts in college, I wasn't of the mindset that this is an NFL starting quarterback, and right. I was highly highly surprised that he was selected in the second round last year. When I see Justin Fields, you you would think that's the second or third best quarterback in a loaded quarterback class this year. So I I do see I see NFL starter with Jay, with uh, Justin Fields rather. The the quarterback draft is is very top heavy this year, and then there's a big big drop off you have you have uh trevor lawrence zach wilson justin fields mac jones and then after that it it begins to mm. to decline it does trey lance don't forget about him he, he's very he's solid but you have your top guys and then mm-hmm. it goes down if you see justin fields and you look at all the ohio state quarterbacks that have that have gone into the nfl do you want to take a shot on someone that yes show, showed, I would say in college he showed a better ability to throw the football than Jalen Hurts did. He's definitely a more skilled passer than Jalen was in college. But as far as the in the NFL, we saw Jalen do it. Right, we have. I say don't take your chance on Justin Fields. You would see that Jalen Hurts has had success. Stick with it. He's young. He's mobile. Utilize that. Build your offense around it and roll with it. And I think, especially in a NFC East, which is you have you have the Cowboys who are going to get Dak back, and they should the Cowboys should have a good chance of making the playoffs in that division. Mm-hmm. But you're in a division where you don't necessarily have to win 13 football games to go to the playoffs. No, you don't have to win 12. You might have to win 10. If you can build an offense around a QB who's who's young. And he plays very electric, and he's very unorthodox. The way he plays is it's it's tough to game plan for people like that, especially right now when we haven't seen too much of him. I think you use that to your advantage, and roll with it. I do not think you take a chance on Fields. Okay. 
However, if you have a guy in the top, like if you have the, you have, they have the six pick, if you have a guy that drops, I would say either it's obviously Trevor Lawrence is not going to drop. If right. he does, that's just a mistake. You have then you have Zach Wilson. He's a guy you could take a chance on because he has the NFL style quarter. You, you look at him and he shows the promise as an NFL passer. However, Justin Fields, that's a no go. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on trying to on not taking the quarterback at six. I personally would probably take Jalen Waddle, the receiver out of Alabama, to oh, try yeah. to try to bolster that receiving core. But in the second round is where it gets interesting. So my next question to you is, what are the odds Kyle Trask is an Eagle in the second or third round? Kyle Trask threw probably the best ball in college this year. Yes, he did. At least it's just a beautiful ball. You know, I'm a big fan of Kyle Trask. You know what? He slipped my mind earlier. I still think you roll with Jalen, but if if you take a chance on Trask, you cannot be upset if that you know if that doesn't pan out because that that's a guy you can take a chance on. The okay. way he throws the ball, that's 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 very good. I think there's a lot of upside in his NFL career. Yeah, dude, I do, I do too. It's in, it's interesting how high on Jalen Hurts you are because like I'm I thought he was decent. Mm-hmm. I don't. There was never a game where I was like, okay, Jalen Hurts. Oh, this is the franchise because, you know, they they've managed around him. They tried to condense as much as they can um, of what they were asking him to mm-hmm. do. So and be, and because he wasn't asked to do so much, we obviously didn't see a whole lot. That's true. I thought he provided the Eagles with a spark, but I think that's something that will eventually flame out. I don't really I don't see Jalen Hurts as a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Right. And who knows what his future is like? You look at it. The future of quarterbacks who are primarily mobile quarterbacks is very risky as it is any anywhere in the NFL, no matter what team it, no matter what team you play for. That's why you see Lamar Jackson right now, and I look at him, and I and I want him to adapt to the game, but he's not going to be able to just run around like he like he's accustomed to. Jalen Hurts, I believe, is more of a more of a Cam Newton style runner. He's not as big, but he's very durable. And I think, and you see Cam Newton now, who's looking for a job somewhere. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the ability right now to throw the ball. Yes, Newton was throwing to. I'm going to say it. Garbage cans in New England. Pretty much. Very, very Sapara wide receivers. So, if, but if you can put those wide receivers around Jalen Hurts, I see no reason why he should have success. Now, we you mentioned Kyle Trask. That that does interest me. I do think if it's the Eagles or if it's any other NFL team, whoever gets Trask, that's the guy you if you if you get him in the second round, that's a guy you get if you have a veteran QB on the team, go get Trask, let him sit, let the veteran QB mentor him, and then when he's ready, I think he's your guy. Kyle Trask is a very interesting pick in this in this year's draft. I actually now that you mentioned, I think he's one to watch. Cool. I think as it gets closer to the draft time, we probably should do at least half a show devoted to the draft, and maybe we'll pull out some mocks or stuff like that. Yeah, that'll be fun. See what they go. All right, real quick, before we actually transition to basketball, I know we didn't plan on this, but I wanted to ask you um, about the deal that was given to Fernando Tatis with the Padres. So a 14-year extension for $340 million. It is the third largest contract in MLB history behind Mike Trout and Manny Machado. And the Padres have are now paying two guys with contracts that that are over three hundred million. So your reaction to that and the direction that the Padres are headed? There's one guy in baseball who deserves a contract that big, and he has it. His name's Mike Trout. Besides that, you saw Bryce Harper get a monster contract, and Bryce Harper is a phenomenal baseball player. But by no means is he. Uh, Getting contracts like that, especially the guaranteed money, is a huge risk if you're a MLB, MLB team and as a franchise in general. Tatis was a phenomenal player this year, but that was this year. You look at it and you see a lot of players. The Rangers dealt with a, a similar, not by no means on the same scale, but on a smaller scale. You watch the Rangers pay Rufnit Odor a, a ton of money. Because he had that flash in the pan, he showed promise, and then after that, the guy could barely hit over 200. T- 
Tatis is mm-hmm. definitely a better player than Odor. I don't want to compare those two, but guaranteeing somebody that amount of money after such little, especially in a season with short a shortened season, right? It's it's very risky. Do I hope it pans out? Of course, because Tatis is a very just such an energetic and electrifying player. The power he possesses in a, as a shortstop for for a face of the MLB, he's got to be one of the candidates. You have Mike Trout right now, but Mike Trout's on the Angels, and he, he's not going to be in that conversation come playoff time. If that Padres team is good enough to make the playoffs, and Tatis can be the face of baseball, you're looking at a potential Derek Jeter type player. I know it's not the skills aren't the same, and the, mm-hmm. the style of baseball is not the same, but as far as a shortstop being the face of the game, Tatis could be that guy. Now, guaranteeing this amount of money this early, that's a risk. But if you see him as the face of the team, mm-hmm. then you just I guess you got to take that risk. Yeah. Yeah, so when it comes to this deal, I don't really focus on the money that much. It He... He got a 14-year extension, so right. he's, he's actually, there. For, he's um, tied to the Padres for 16 more years, right? Because this is an extension that's tacked on top of yeah. his current contract. So, to, like, I guess they, that they are willing to take that commitment. But you're right; it is a we have a very, very small sample size, both sides of of uh, Fernando Tatis's yeah. performance. What we have seen has been absolutely fantastic. He's the most right. exciting player. In baseball right now but this shows that San Diego they're going all in yeah you know you're paying Machado now you've got Tatis locked yeah. up you just had you just pulled off a trade for you Darvish you pulled off a trade for Blake Snell to secure that ro- the front part of the rotation so the Padres are saying and we're in a division with the Dodgers we've seen the Rockies and the D-backs fall off we're mm-hmm. going all in and they're gonna cha- they're gonna challenge the Dodgers oh, this yeah. year in the NL West. So that that'll probably be one of the more exciting races to watch in this upcoming Major League Baseball season. No. That is right around the corner. Like oh yeah, much- no it, it it crept up on me for sure. I was not I was not thinking about that until the, you just the Padres' that up. first spring training game is the twenty eighth right of February. So that'll that'll be interesting. So a little little baseball uh, off the cuff right there. So let's transition into some basketball, and we're going to start with in the collegiate ranks where Oklahoma State, in their first week not being ranked after being ranked for the first time in quite some time, blew out two two Big 12 opponents. They blew out Kansas State. Well, that ended up being a seven-point win, but... It was a dominating performance. It was a dominating performance. And then took care of Iowa State by by a score of 81-60, to 60, so a 21-point victory there. Landon, you were at the Iowa State game. I was not. I watched that game on TV, as well as the Kansas State game. Your reaction to what happened in these last couple of you know, I, I was about being at both games, and everything seemed so awesome. Mm-hmm. But you're playing Kansas State, and you're playing Iowa State. Those two results are expected from you. Now, I will say this: they are showing more of an of a tendency to crash the boards which is very much necessary considering the amount of times where they've given up offensive rebounds. So, yeah, that's the plus side. And you see a lot of players starting to fill into their roles. you got Cunningham's the guy. Um, Ice has been out for a while, unfortunately. Isaac Likely, he's been out. This is a second game missed. Yeah, he's been out for a little bit. And he'll, he'll, and it looks like he's going to be back soon because he's warming up a little bit. He's just kind of getting back into it. He'll be back. You have Rondell Walker who gives a ton of hustle minutes. And he I think I believe he only had 10 points in ten, the, 10 points both games. 10 points both games. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and he offers he offers some scoring, but he he what he does is majority it's majority of his minutes are hustle minutes and it's mm-hmm. it's phenomenal for that Oklahoma State basketball team. Then you have Caleb Boone who like we said last week He's pretty much the X factor of that OSU basketball team. If he's on, he's going to create a lot of issues for the opposing team. Right now, you're seeing a team sort of gel, and you had two, I don't want to say easy opponents, but there's two opponents that you should take care of. Anytime you're playing Big 12 basketball opponents, they're by no means easy. However, 
you're expected to take care of them. It gave a good opportunity for the team to fill in their roles, for the players to understand what their roles are on this basketball team. I'm not going to say there's any. there was so much promise showed in those games because of the opponents we played. However, they looked good. And if they continue to look good, you know, we'll see what when that time comes around, if we're in the tournament, and chances are, I think that we will be. Yeah. I think the Oklahoma State basketball team is one that no one will want to play. So what I took away from these last two games is particularly Rondell Walker. Mm-hmm. And he, we went through a stretch where I think he was scoring maybe like three points one game, one point another game. But he's come, he's put together 10 points mm-hmm. in each of the last couple of games. In the Iowa State game, the blowout by nearly 20. I actually gave you the score of the first meeting with Iowa State right. earlier. Three for four from the three. And three for five overall from the field, one and one out of two from the free throw line for his 10 points. So he's starting to shoot the ball more efficiently. And that combined with the hustle and that the and the defense that he plays, it's almost like he's realized that sometimes he's not going to score, so he's going to have to figure out a way to be more productive right. in other ways. And he's been the best defender on this team for I the agree. last for the last few games. Now, the interesting thing here is that I think we're starting to see I don't know if I want to say a peak or a trend mm-hmm. with their free throw shooting. Because against Iowa State, they shot 73%, and that was coming off a game where they were a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine from the free throw line. Now, you can look at this as either in one of, one of two ways. Either they're shooting the ball from the free throw line very well because they're not getting to the free throw line very much, right? or you're starting to see that this is a team that will make roughly around three-fourths of its free throws. And now how percentages work, that sometimes as you keep extending that number of attempts, sometimes that the number of makes will go down and you eventually regress back to the mean. Right. So I don't know what to think about this, but it's promising to see that they made all of their free throws in the game against Kansas State because they needed all of them because they only won by seven points. But another thing I noticed in the Kansas State game was there was bench production. Yes. And a lot of what we haven't been getting recently with this team is a lot of consistent bench bench production. And you saw Matthew Alexander Moncrief put in six one game and then in the Iowa State game he pours in 19 right to be second on second on the team so it seems like they have something coming off the bench with Alexander Moncrief I don't know if they decide to move him back into the starting lineup and then maybe put uh, Rondell Walker or Bryce Williams back to the bench Mm -hmm. I think that would help in terms of the size disadvantage that this team has but he he's providing energy wherever you put him right and that's and that's a bright spot so Rondell Walker the three-point shooting percentage and that we're getting bench production from whether it's Moncrief, Fav- Farron Flavors had nine points. But all signs trending up right now. Right. Well, and Rondell Walker's points and the the points that are you see a trend going up is due to the fact that they are getting an increase of minutes due to Likely's uh, injury right now, or what I believe it's an injury, but he's out right now, and so others are getting more minutes. However, like we talked about, Rondell Walker's realized that right now he's scoring points, but next game he might not be. And you mentioned this. If he understands that he, he can play an impact more than just scoring, the players like that, and Marcus Smart's an example of that player for the Celtics, former OSU mm-hmm. uh, basketball player, when you can impact the ball, when you can impact the basketball game on either side of the ball, you pose a value that you you might not have that players do not have by just scoring or just rebounding. If you understand your role, the team you have like Kate Cunningham is the guy, but everyone else understands their role right now. In some games, they're going to need to score. They're going to need to be the guy to get to the hoop. In other games, they're going to need to be the guy to hold their guy to. Under five points, mm-hmm. let's say the okay. the roles are so important, especially in basketball. You understand your role, and you come together as a team. You can pose a threat to te- like you might not have the talent that Kansas has or Texas has, but both teams have we've beaten right exactly. But if you can beat them in other aspects of the game, 
then you can't really ask for much else. Right. And that goes to a credit. That's a credit to coaching, which might be one of the few consistent things that we've talked about this whole season is the job that Mike Boynton Jr. is doing with this team Mm -hmm. in terms of bringing it together. They're gelling at the right time. They're understanding the roles like their roles, like what you said, to a point where as they're functioning fluidly, obviously their play, especially their offense, does not look very fluid. But I guess there's there's a fluid influidity with this team. And like they're all coming together. My one question to you is this: What what are what what are we going to do with Avery Anderson? Because the last two games, these games that we're talking about, Kansas State and Iowa State, he's he's shot a combined six for twenty one from the from the field, which I believe is just under thirty percent. So does yeah. that pose any kind of concern? You know, Avery Anderson statistically looks like he's playing all around solid basketball however if you watch him play and he's very he also provides hustle minutes Mm -hmm. however he sometimes gets out of control and will turn the ball over in crucial possessions not necessarily crunch time possessions but possessions where if you're on a run a bucket here can shift the momentum of the game sometimes being able to handle the ball and control the game is more important than getting a quick bucket or hitting that hitting a three-point shot. Understanding when to control the game and when to get a quick bucket in the IQ point of the game, like mm-hmm. likely has it. He I, likely has the IQ and while he's not the most talented player on the court, he's definitely the, the he's definitely the smartest player on that basketball court. Understanding when to when to do what is just as important as being able to hit a three out of nowhere or being able to to drive by your guy and get to the to the basket. That's why that's a good question. Like what do you do with him? I say you bring him off the bench, he'll provide a lot of uh a lot of quality minutes off the bench. He'll score for you, he'll he'll bring some energy to that to the uh to the bench as they need to get in and because we go on those runs where we're not scoring, I believe you bring him off the bench, and we'll we'll see more production out of our. So in our your backups. so so, so since, since you're saying hypothetically, let's bring Avery Anderson off the bench. Uh, who are you inserting into that starting lineup? Well, ideally, we have a healthy lineup here, and everyone's good. But I think obviously you have likely you have Kate Cunningham, you have Rondell Walker, then you have Caleb Boone, and then you have Moncrief. I think that's your five. Okay. Yeah, I like I like that a lot. Because now you're you're taking out a, a guard, and then probably another one too, because they've been starting Bryce Williams in the absence of right. Ice Likely, and then you're you're getting size. You're getting size at the guard forward position and whatever you want to deem likely as, mm-hmm. and then you're putting Matthew Alexander Moncrief back in. Right. So, like I, I like that I like that idea a lot. I be, I believe Avery Anderson coming off the bench gives you gives you some. I don't want to say leadership. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like a face, uh, like another focal ball handler mm-hmm. to work with ma- that majority of that second unit. Unit because with Avery Anderson in the starting lineup, you can't with him and Cade Cunningham in the starting in the same starting lineup, absent Isaac Likely mm-hmm. right now. You don't really have that ball handler off the bench do you because mm-hmm. right now you've been turning you know second string ball handling duties over to Bryce Williams or Rondell right. Walker and we know Rondell Walker is in no way ready for that kind of responsibility at all um just just because he he looks young he gets rattled right a he's lot. a freshman he and right now he's in a perfect spot to where he can watch those he above is. him and I think he's he's going to be the future Boone Caleb Boone's a sophomore the, the Oklahoma State team looks and not only are they young, and yes, Cunningham is a freshman, but he won't. He's not going to be here much longer. Right. Ideally, he's not going to be here much longer, obviously. Well, there's there's no way he's going to be Well, back. But as far as, like, you never know what could happen, God forbid. But ideally, wow. I'm just saying, I don't like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like to guarantee, like, nothing's guaranteed, and it just, it, I don't want to put anything on him. Ideally, he is the first pick in the draft, which will be, Awesome for OSU to have the first pick in the draft. Right. However, now you look at a team 
likely is a junior, so Hill, he's got one more year left. You have Boone, who's a sophomore. Walker's a freshman. You've got a very young team who is getting to not only play with the best player in the country, but you also see them them gelling and becoming more than just individual players. I think next year is going to be an interesting year for this OSU basketball team. And while you might not have the star of Kate Cunningham, you might have a better overall basketball team. Which is usually how teams like Gonzaga and Virginia have put together their teams. Virginia that won the last national Mm -hmm. title that we've had since uh, the one last year got canceled due to coronavirus. Right. All right. So that's that's where we stay in. That's where we stand in terms of OSU basketball. Our the game Saturday was postponed against Baylor due to vi- more virus problems at the school. But let's transition shift gears to the NBA and All Star Game voting for fans closed earlier this week. So our picks are in. Let's start with the Eastern Conference because obviously the spicy part of this conversation will commence when we get to the Western Conference. So, for the Eastern Conference, you want to go first? I can go first. I think we both have Jalen Brown, right, as one of our we guards? We Jalen okay. Brown, yeah. And, obviously, just a very efficient scorer. You know, both sides. He, he's, the, he's the scorer right now in Boston, and Tatum compliments him very, very well. Mm-hmm. And, you know what, I think, not not to be surprised, but I believe you have Tatum in that uh, that. That yeah. back court, I mean that front court, in right? In front court, I do. Have so, and do we? Do you, you have Beal, right? In I have Bradley Beal. Okay, so our our front court, I mean our back court, is the same. Bradley Beal and Jalen Brown. Yes. Yeah. So let's get to the let's get to. I have Kevin Durant over Jason Tatum, and I'll I'll say this. Should be thirty points a game, is twenty nine now, and that's due to him getting taken out early in that game due to the COVID restrictions. He's shooting fifty-two percent from the field, and he's shooting forty-three from the three from from three. He is the most vital player on the Nets right now because, yes, they can win regular season basketball games with him, and they James Harden is definitely the number two in Brooklyn right now. Kyrie Irving is the guy who is probably going to average twenty-four, twenty-five points a game. Some games he'll score 18, other games he'll score 40. He's going to give you those those impulsive scoring bursts that you need. Now, Harden's the point guard. Irving even acknowledges it. But Durant is the guy who's going to need to show up in crunch time day in and day out in order for this Nets team to have any any chance at making a run in the playoffs. So who's, who's the rest of your front court? So and, I'm then, in, and, and then I have Giannis, and that's just Giannis. Right. It's beast. Then I have Joel Embiid, who is playing phenomenal basketball right now. Yep. So, and I think really the only thing we disagree on there is Tatum and Durant. The only difference we have here is Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant. And yes, Kevin Durant is going to be an All Star. He will likely be a starter, an All Star starter. The reason I go with Jason Tatum is that he's played more games and is trending right. toward playing more games. We know Jason Tatum had to miss a chunk of time after he tested positive for the coronavirus. But Kevin Durant has had to miss time on three separate occasions right. because of contact tracing. So I don't know what's going on there. I think he might need to like readjust his circle of people or something. Right now he's out because of his hamstring. Right now and he's he, out. With right, an injury. he he's been in and out, and it is unfortunate. Right now Tatum's only played twenty three games, and Durant's played nineteen. Nineteen, yeah. But you're like you said that they are trending, and Durant is probably not going to play for. At least he's not playing tonight against the Lakers, which mm-hmm. is very disappointing. Right. And he's also not playing, or he'll also probably not be playing in their next game. But Right. While Jason Tatum is, right. he's just trending toward playing more games and getting back to that conditioning that he mm-hmm. was pre-COVID-19, which both of us have had COVID-19, and it, it takes it's, a lot. Yeah. It's hard to play sports right after you come back from that. So let's get to the Western Conference so Beal, Brown, Embiid, Giannis, and then you have KD and I have Jason Tatum right. for our starting lineups for the Eastern Conference. Let's get to the Western Conference. So I don't remember exactly where we where we divert here. So go ahead, and then I'll I'll give you mine. So then my, we'll talk about the real crux right. of our conversation. My first guard is Steph Curry. I I believe that's undisputable. I think you've got him too. Absolutely. Then, then my second guard is Luka Doncic, and I believe that's where we disagree. 
It, then I have my first forward is Paul George, who I have, and I have him over Kawhi Leonard because their stats are very similar, basically the same. I believe Paul George has a couple more rebounds and a couple, maybe about the same amount of assists, and he has a little bit less points per game. I put Paul George in because of this reason. If the Clippers want to make the finals, Paul George needs to be their guy. Yes, Kawhi Leonard's going to have an impact on either side of the ball, regardless if he's their lead scorer or not. But if the if the Clippers want to be a contender, Paul George has to be the leading scorer. He doesn't have to be the best player, but he has to be the best scorer on that team. And I believe he is the best scorer on the team right now. Now, while he's not averaging as many points, it's it's just because, you know, I believe he's definitely just as efficient as far as a pure score and being able to shoot the ball, being able to get to the hoop. He is levels better than, so I think, not levels better, but he's considerably better about, of a scorer. I was about to say, I'm about to, like, kick your behind <laughs> with well, this Paul George and Kawhi Leonard thing. Well, but yeah, go, go ahead. That's, well, that's joke, okay, go but, ahead. right. And statistically, Kawhi Leonard's right there with Paul George. But when, I don't think we can say we've seen Kawhi Leonard really take over and ha- and go to the finals. In Toronto, you saw it to an extent, but that Toronto team was always a playoff team. They were the number one seed a couple years prior. Right, they just needed a guy to get they them They just need the, the guy to get him over the hump. Kawhi Leonard cannot be the guy in L.A. to be the score. It's got to be Paul George. Okay, so I guess that's a preliminary part of where we disagree. I didn't... And the re- go go with the rest of your front court. I'm guessing then it's I have LeBron, LeBron and, MVP the, the, front runner. Yeah. Then and I have Jokic. Jokic. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm with you with LeBron and Jokic. I I do have Kawhi Leonard in over Paul George because Kawhi Leonard has played. He's played three more games, 23 to 20. He's averaging two more points. Very similar with rebounds and very similar with assists. The only thing right now that Paul George is doing better than Kawhi Leonard is that he's shooting. He's five percentage points better. From the from beyond the three point line, right. So I think Kawhi Leonard has been the best player on that team. It's interesting that you say Paul George needs to be the best scorer for them to get to the finals. I think right now, not we're not really thinking finals in terms of with the Clippers right now. I think when it comes to coming out of the Western Conference and representing that conference in the finals, we're thinking Lakers and the Utah Jazz, who just right. keep winning. But so I guess we'll get to the juicy part of our conversation, which. I have Damian Lillard in my starting lineup ahead of Luka Doncic. Okay. And the reason why, and I didn't, and I totally forgot to look this stat up, but a stat I like to use is player efficiency rating. PER, yes. PER, which I believe that is the best stat for comparing players that are comparable in numbers. And what I mean by that is that Damian Lillard in some way, shape, or form, has elevated Portland astronomically above expectations than what Luka Doncic has with the Dallas Mavericks. We we talked about last week how neither of us actually expect the Mavericks to make the playoffs. I think right now we're both kind of eating, we both we both are yeah. eating crow on that right now because they're seeming to improve at the same time that Denver in the 8th seed and Golden State in the 7th seed are also improving as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. There's still a chance we could be correct with that one. But Portland is in the 5th seed, a year after barely making it into the playoffs and then stealing a game from the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. Damian Lillard has done this with mostly without his backcourt mate in C.J. McCollum. Mm-hmm. He's done this without the big man, Yusuf Nurkic, they lost another big man, Hassan Whiteside, in free agency. Zach Collins has been on the bench a lot because of injuries, too. So there's been a lot of fluctuation within the Portland lineups. Not to say there's not been the same thing in Dallas with Luka, because there has. Mm-hmm. But I think Portland's gone through it for an extended period of time. That combined with their expectations not quite being there as it is with Big D, that Damian Lillard has had a, more, had, has had a higher effect not just on his team, but on the league in general, and that's why I think Damian Lillard deserves to be a starter above Luka Doncic. This is not to say Luka Doncic is not an all-star, because right. he is, but right now, if we're talking about the two best guards in the Western Conference, it is Steph Curry, like you say, where it starts, and then Damian Lillard. 
by no means am I gonna am I trying to discredit anything Damian Lillard has done. He's played phenomenal basketball. But you said that his team is doing better than Luca's team right now. Mm-hmm. But besides that, what does what does Damian Lillard really do better than Luca? He shoots three percent better from three, and after that. I, the only hark you can have on Luca is that he is inefficient, but he shoots better from the field than Damian Lillard does. He does. He has basically the same amount of points per game. He has more rebounds and more assists by a considerable amount. Not to mention, you met you. You talked about the guys in Portland who who are in and they're out, and Damian Lillard's having to do it without him. Even when they're in, you have Kristaps, who's a flaky, he's a flaky player. You cannot count on Kristaps to go out there and be consistent. Besides that, who is there for Dallas? Who is there for Luka? Luka is the, Luka's been there, and Luka's played 27 games, and Damian Lillard's also played 27, so they haven't, mm-hmm. there hasn't been any discrepancy there. Right. But as far as like putting a team on your back day in and day out, Luca by far has had to do that in Dallas more than Damian Lillard has had to do that in Portland. So when I talk about efficiency, here here's a here's a great here's a great stat for you. So you so you mentioned that their percentages are, are right around the same. They're both averaging twenty nine points per game. Right. Well, Dam- Damian Lillard twenty nine point eight. And the thing with averages is that as you play more and more games, you really st- the total starts to separate. And that's something I think we've lost in the NBA is that we go so far off averages that we kind of forget about total. Right. And Damian Lillard is doing what he's doing on almost two less shots than Luka Doncic. So when so obviously when you when you extrapolate that out, that's basically equal to about 54 less shots that Damian Lillard has taken to have in total about 30 more points. So the efficiency between Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic is highly in favor of Dam- of Damian Lillard. How, if Luka Doncic is shooting better from the field, a better percentage from the field than which is Luka's shooting forty seven point five percent from the field right now. Damian as, Lillard's as opposed to forty five forty five point one. Right. So he shoot his field goal percentage is the, the same. The, so it doesn't really matter how many shots they're taking. What it boils down to, and you. Well, if you're talking about who's done more, your 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 totals your totals are there because they both played the same amount of games, which which is surprising for both of them because right. both of them typically tend to get injured around this time of year, minorly. But you've got you have you've had more points scored by Lillard on fewer shots well, that, from the field. I think the difference here is that Damian Lillard gets to the free throw line a lot more, yes, which also has a negative effect on the other team, which goes back to what I was saying, that not only has he had a better effect on his team, but he's also wildly affecting the entire Western Conference, and in some cases the entire league, depending on who he's playing. So, if you ask an opposing player, who do you want to guard, Luka or Damian Lillard, I guarantee you the first thing that comes to mind is going to be, really? These are the two players you're going to ask me who I want to guard because those are the probably the two best or two the two worst options in the Western Conference as far as single players to guard. Mm-hmm. They're they're up there. If Luca somehow cannot get to the to the basket, he's going to create for others. Damian Lillard does not have the ability to do that, and the fact that Luka Doncic shoots more shots per game should show you that he is asked to do more for that Dallas Mavericks team than Damian Lillard is for the Portland Trailblazers. If you even if you watch the shots Luka takes versus the shots Dame takes, Luka is taking less quality looks. Extremely less quality Extremely looks. less quality looks, yet still shooting better from the field. Now, his three-point percentage is lower due to that fact. However... If a, a stat I like to look at is effective field goal percentage. Okay. And that That's a good stat. pretty much it it doesn't necessarily combine the two, but it, it it does take into account both stats. And are you aware who's higher right now? Cuz you're you're about to defeat your right. own argument. No, what I'm saying though <laughs> is 
they take into account the three-point shot mm-hmm. is more. And right. Damian Lillard is a better pure shooter than Luka Doncic. I do believe we can agree on that. Yes. However, Luka Doncic overall, that's what I'm saying. I'm not really trying to discredit Damian Lillard right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will give Damian Lillard the props where props do. That man is a an animal. He can score like none other. And in crunch time, I'll give you this. I'll take Damian Lillard in crunch time over Luka. Yep. However, if you're asking me who elevates the players around them to a higher level, it is 10 times out of 10 Luka Doncic. I will, I will agree with you on that, is that he elevates the players around him, usually because the players around Damian Lillard, particularly C.J. McCollum, can create his own shot right. when he's around. However, the big difference here is that C.J. McCollum hasn't been around. So right. you've seen more of a one-man band with you know the supporting parts of Gary Trent and Carmelo Anthony around Lillard that have that have also contributed to Portland exceeding expectations. And I think it's I think at this point we need to talk about Terry Scott being in the Coach of the Year conversation. I, even though I still think Greg Popovich is the runaway winner right now. Right. But crunch time crunch time matters, and mm-hmm. it seems like. Where I don't and I don't get this for the life of me. We were and we've talked about this last week and then off air with the Dallas Mavericks. They're regressing. They they are regressing before our very eyes because the problems that they're having this year are problems that they had two years ago and last year to at the be and, and at the beginning of last year where they just can't figure out how to close games. Right. And if your point and your point guard has the brunt has to bear the brunt of that of that vitriol in terms of why can't you close the games? The brunt of that responsibility is where I was looking for. Him and the coach. That is not a problem we have seen much with Portland. As a matter of fact, when it comes to Portland, we've seen more comebacks. When the Mavericks get down, that doesn't seem they don't really seem to be able to fight back. Mm-hmm. Portland does. We, we saw them do it with Dallas. We saw them do it with Philadelphia earlier this week. And that's just something, and that's just something they do. And that's a credit to who your catalyst on the floor is, and that is by far and away Damian, Lill- Damian Lillard. No. Damian Lillard, and you watched it, the Mavs and the Blazers played the other night. And mm-hmm. they The Blazers did beat the Mavs. Yes. Are the Mavs, you take away, let's take away these two players right now. Let's okay. say Luka's gone and Damian Lillard's gone. Who wins that game? The Mavs or the Blazers, it will still be the Portland Trail Blazers. Now, even without Mac- even without McCollum and without Nurkic and without Collins in that lineup, because if if we take if we take those three players out who were out for that game, and you keep the Mavericks players who did play, are we talking about the players who played in the game? Let's just talk about as far as this season. Strength. Let's talk about this season. And we and yes, that game, Damian Lillard sh- out. Shined Luka Doncic because I, I, I in, believe in the in the crunch time. I was like, if we're talking about the players that were available on that particular night, then I think Dallas wins that game. Right, but as far as, as teams in general, I sh- I shouldn't have mentioned la- the the other night is, before leading up to that. You talk about teams in general. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard is not asked to do as much uh, on that Portland team as Luka is on the Mavs team. That's why his PER, his player efficiency rating, is higher because it's it's easier to have a higher player efficiency rating when you're not asked to do as much being efficient is phenomenal but when you when you have the ball in your hands you usage rate does come into play here usage rate comes into play and it's so hard to because if if it if Damian Lillard gets in I I believe Luca will be the starter just because of popularity reasons Mm -hmm. now if Damian Lillard gets in over Luca I'm not going to be upset Damian Lillard and Luca it's right it's 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 neck and neck. Right. There's no clear, clear cut, better player here. I just think, and it, I, it comes back to this: Who do you want to elevate the players around you? And I know the All Star Game's not really about that aspect of the game, but when you take a team, if you're building a team, and you need a player to elevate people around you, Luka Doncic, in that field, is way better than Damian Lillard. Now, in other fields, way as far, better. As far as elevating the players around you, Luka Doncic is levels of better than Damian Lillard in that field. Now, as far as if you say, if you say there's 
10 seconds on the clock. We need one shot to win this basketball game. Damian Lillard is better than Luka Doncic at that. They are very different players. And yes, they are both guards in the NBA, but they are by no means the same style player. They're not the, they're not the same, same style player, no. And if I was going to build a team around either Luka Doncic or Damian Lillard, I would I would be hard pressed not to take Damian Lillard with that number with that number one overall pick if we're just talking about them. I think it's easier to build a team around Damian Lillard because you have to build a team that's worth that you have to accommodate with Luka Doncic, considering that he's a liability defensively. He's not very fast, and, and it also depends on what kind of brand of basketball you want to play as, as well. Mm-hmm. Also, when we talk about we um, when we talk about assists in terms of like elevating your team, which I'm guessing that's probably what you're going to harp on, as as Luca has about. I wasn't necessarily going to focus on that, okay? Because it's it, we know that Luca does have yeah, a considerable he, amount of he, he does have a considerable am- amount of amount of assists more than uh more than Damian Lillard. I think he's two assists per game mm-hmm. better. But are, is that to, because assists don't tell a whole story about how you elevate your team? Because part of us, the other half of the assists is that the guys have to make the shot, and I. So when it so when it comes to when it comes to Damian Lillard, you're you're now going to be in a situation where you can run up and down the court more. I feel like with Lillard, because. He's not the celebrity that Luka Doncic is. It's far more easier to build a team around. Not to say that they've put together a better team than than the Mavericks have, because I, I believe on paper Dallas should be better than than the Portland Trailblazers right now. Right. But Lillard provides he's more diversified in his skill set and his physical abilities that I would build a team around him and I know this discussion has gone far far away from right. from well, like who, we're, who would we're, you put in who would you put in as your your fifth your or your point guard right. starter on an on an all-star team and both of these guys are going to make the all-star team without a doubt we're we're just talking about specifically starters for anybody who got lost in the premise of this and, of this discussion and I'll and I'll bring it back after this I was going to say you brought up defense and Lucas defense is by no means even average defense However, Damian Lillard isn't that much better. If you look at it, Luka averages more or uh, more blocks per game due to his size. Well, but I he was also about to say he's but, three he, inches but, taller. but that's also an advantage. And he averages the same amount of steals this season, 1. 1 difference. Yeah, 10th difference, yes. So mm-hmm. the defensive di- the de- the difference in defense there is very very minimal. Well, that I'll, well that's statistical defense, but and that, that's a whole other discussion for another day. I'll I'll bring it back a little bit here. Mm-hmm. As far as putting a guy in, yes, the All-Star game's different because you're not worried about putting a team together. Right. But if you're wanting the All-Star starting five, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry is the two guards. Is they're, they're the same. They're the same type of player, in my opinion. They're they're scores first. Yes. Primarily, Luca gives that aspect of facilitating facilitating the court. And you brought up assists being a, a stat that doesn't tell the full story, right? Right. If you watch a majority of the assists Luca has, they are passes into the paint. They are they are shots to they're passes to quality looks. They're not passes that the every now and then you get some from Tim Hardaway where he Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. where he makes a very of a a very difficult shot or he does make a tough shot. But typically you're not getting that. And the Mavs don't have in yes, McCollum's been out, but Lillard's got that guy to go make those tough shots and he's also got that guy we watched it in the and this also kind of goes off from the all-star discussion but we watched it in the playoff or in the uh in the bubble last year cj mccollum did take some pressure off of damian lillard in the in the crunch time and in the whole game luca just doesn't have that guy right now that's why his stats are a little bit higher but his efficiency is right the efficiency is right there like the player efficiency rating between the two is is neck and neck the these two players are 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 honestly the more we argue it the more i feel like they are two of the closest players in the nba as far as skill level as far as an all-star my pick is luka yours is damian lillard of course we 
we can discuss this all day because they're different style players, and I can say, well, Luca does this better, and then you can say, well, Damian Lillard does this better. At the end of the day, we talked about building a team. If you're gonna, you gotta complement whatever superstar you have in order to be successful. You're gonna have to get different players for Luca than you would for Damian Lillard. So as far as a starting five in the All Star game, Luka Doncic should be that guy. However, if Damian Lillard's that guy, I'm I'm gonna be like, you know what? That's okay because <laughs> he's right there, and he honestly, I I value crunch time uh, performance above. I like to talk playoff basketball, mm-hmm. and that's crunch time performance is a huge thing. I think Luca is better in a lot of aspects, but I'll give Dame that. So right now they're right there. Time will tell who has a better season in the end of the regular season. But as of now, they're so comparable. I think it's a great discussion, but it's one we could have all day. Yeah. And so I think now would be a good time to translate into the the discussion of how do we think the Los Angeles Lakers will perform without Anthony Davis. So, in terms of regular season, I think they'll be they'll be just fine. Right. With you know, you still have LeBron James there running things on the court and the way that Frank Vogel and his coaching staff has that team playing considerably excellent defense. They're they're an excellent defensive team that I think they'll be fine. Now, they're still going to have to figure out how to how to chase down the Utah Jazz right now who just seem to be doing everything right, right. and have won 20 of their last 21 games, but the Lakers are going to be just fine whether Anthony Davis misses maybe the upcoming two weeks or misses a month and a half. So they're, they're going to be fine in that respect. Playoff time, you might want to have him oh, back. Yeah. You're, going, you're, you're going to need to have him back by the quarterfinals you, oh, yeah. at, at, at minimum. First round, maybe use that to work him back in, but he's going to need to be full strength and full speed ahead by the second round if they want to go back to the finals to defend that title. I agree. Playoff basketball is, like I always say, it's different. You're going to need AD. Right now they're 4-1 and one without Anthony Davis. So we, we, we both agree that regular season basketball, they're going to be fine. They have MVP caliber LeBron. And by the way, if LeBron wants to prove his, his standing in the MVP race right now, now's the time to do it. Absolutely. That's a point I didn't even think of. Now... One thing to think about is the Lakers have a very, very tough stretch of games coming up. They have Brooklyn tonight, who, with or without KD, is a tough basketball team. No Kyrie Irving tonight. No Kyrie Irving. That is still going to be a tough basketball game. Now, tonight is going to be a test for both teams. If the Lakers can control the Nets, it's going to give them that confidence. Because I believe those are the two favorites that we're going to see in the finals come Come summer, come the, June, yeah. Come, yeah, come summer. When, when Brook, if Brooklyn is able to contend in this game without their two, two of their three best players, and without their best player in Kevin Durant, that is huge. That that would almost put them at a spot where they, where they should have a lot of confidence in the fact that not only can they compete with probably the best team in the West. But without their best players, and if you add those best players, they should beat the best team in the West. Now, if you're the Lakers and you look at your stretch of games, you have Brooklyn, Miami, Utah, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, and then Sacramento all leading up to the All-Star break. This is this is a very crucial stretch of the season for you. And and we mentioned... Uh, have, if Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I mentioned... They, that they will need to catch the Utah Jazz. Right. Well, that Jazz game is right there right. this coming Wednesday. Exactly. That's so going to be another one. That's a, that's a crucial game in terms of overtaking that Quinn Snyder-led team that is playing like the best team in basketball. We When it comes to the Nets, and I knew this conversation would go to the Nets because those are the two teams we're expecting to right. be in the finals. Brooklyn has a I, – I could easily see the Lakers blowing the Nets out tonight. And the reason why is because the Nets are an abominable, dismal dumpster fire on the defensive side of the ball. Like they are, they, they are by they far are. and away the worst team in basketball. And oh, yeah. James Harden said it best. He says we only need to be average to win a championship. Oh yeah, defensively, they only need to be average. And with the and with the length that they have, with DeAndre Jordan in the back end, and with Kevin Durant, who might be who can just cover so much ground, 
mm-hmm. with his with his size and speed and that combination of the two, you should be average defensively. And I'm very hard pressed to figure out. Maybe this is just a Mike D'Antoni effect, which yeah. partly can be a joke and actually is true. You're right. Something has gone terribly wrong to where this Brooklyn team just does not play defense. And it's and it's alarming. And I think that's what's right now is separating the Lakers and the Nets is that Frank Vogel and his team has has the Lakers playing excellent defense and Nash and his coaching staff do not have Brooklyn playing defense. Right. Kevin Durant's by no means an elite defender. However, the the presence he poses in the paint as a seven footer is is nothing to scoff at. It's it's ironic that James Harden is the one to say we need to play better defense. However, if he is acknowledging his role, or if he is acknowledging that weakness and that he's going to need to step up his role on the defensive side of the ball, that is that is a very positive outlook for Brooklyn. We Brooklyn does need to improve their defense, and playing average defense and that statement by Harden is beyond true. If they can play mediocre defense, they're going to outscore their opponents. They have so much firepower. They're the highest scoring team in basketball. Right. When that when that when those three are healthy, they have more firepower and you can compare them to the only comparable trio in the history of the NBA is Curry, Klay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. Now you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. You honestly I believe that's a better trio. And we haven't seen him have the success in important games and in significant games. But right. as far as firepower, those three are unmatched. The Lakers tonight are going to start this series of tests that they have leading up to the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. The Lakers have what they needed last year. They won the championship last year. So it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty interesting that I can sit here and say they have what they needed and what they were lacking. But they were lacking that third score. They were lacking the, the the consistent third guy to show up and to take a little bit of pressure off of AD and LeBron. Mm-hmm. They have that now. Schroeder is definitely the scoring point guard that they were lacking. And while LeBron is the facilitator, Schroeder not only sh- provides a very a very solid role at point guard, but you look at it, the Lakers improved. The Nets are are going to gel. We knew the Nets would have a little bit of growing pains here and there. You can't expect a team to just come together that's been assembled over the span of not even just one offseason, but they've still been assembling and losing pieces and gaining pieces. At what point will you see a peak in the Nets' performance? Will they, will they be peaking at the right time in order to make a run in the playoffs? Or are you going to see them hit that hit that little span of who 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 gets to control the basketball because there's a lot of shooters and there's a lot of scores and that Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant is is the ego are the, is there going to be an ego check stepping on the court? We'll see. I think it's very interesting to watch these two teams because I I do believe they're the favorites and watching them go to their respected conferences and try to make a run in the playoffs is going to be extremely interesting come playoff time. Yeah. So real real quickly as as we close out, do the Lakers catch Utah by the All Star break? See, so right now the Lakers are what they're two, tw- they're two games back right. of Utah. Hmm. Utah's playing. I, I don't think so. You don't think so? I think they catch them eventually, and I think they surpass them eventually. But before the All Star break, I think right now Utah's going on this this heat. I mean this uh this hot streak where they are just. Are playing basketball at such a high level and such a high team basketball level. You don't Donovan Mitchell's the guy there, but they're playing the ball movement they they display night in and night out, and the the team style basketball they display is extremely. It, it's very reminiscent of the San Antonio Spurs back in their back in their prime era with mm-hmm. all those yeah. superstars. I think the Utah Jazz are going to be one of those teams and. Not and I compared them to San Antonio, and I'll I'll kind of take that back in this aspect. They're going to be one of those teams to play elite level in the regular season, but when it comes to playoff time, they're going to need someone to step up. Donovan Mitchell will probably be that guy. We saw it in the bubble last year, but you have guys in L.A. 
you have the guy in L.A. in LeBron James who will not let this Utah team outperform him in his year. I do believe LeBron is not only on more of a mission this year than he was last year, but now that he's won that championship, he's chasing. He's still chasing, you know? He's still chasing. Because until he gets six, people are always going to say, Jordan has six. LeBron is still proving something to the entire league that he can still perform at this level of basketball at a at this age that he's at. And I know he's only 36, but year 18 and 18 years in any sport takes a toll on the body. The Jazz are going to get caught. Now, are they going to be able to perform come playoff time? That is what I'm interested in seeing. Very cool. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll catch the Jazz by the All-Star break. I don't think they will prioritize catching the Jazz. They'll, they they quite possibly may not even prioritize catching the Jazz anyway. Right. For the for the playoffs. Like the Jazz could easily end up as the one seed and you the Lakers so? as a two seed. I think that's possible because we've seen LeBron go into the postseason oh, as yeah. a two seed and not care and it not and it not affect them either, right. either way. He did that a couple of times in Cleveland. So mm-hmm. so we'll see we'll see about that. Um and we will leave it there. We will. Let's go. All right. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching on YouTube or wherever you're finding this show. God bless, keep cool, and if you're here in Oklahoma, please stay warm, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.